I have something that I've really been wanting to talk about. What? I want to talk about how there are only 11 biscuits in my <laughs> packet of unopened biscuits, labelled 12 biscuits in every pack. All right, stop, stop, stop. I don't know if this is a mistake or if the company is trying to rip me off. Yo, is this one of those things where, like, biscuit means something completely fucking different than I think it does? No, Mike, there's a complaint or a criticism with the podcast that it's only inside jokes. This is one of the most insidest jokes that even people who are in here don't know what the fuck this is. I don't know what you're talking about. I just wanted to talk about biscuits. <laughs> Look, either way, I'm not happy about it, right? I'm only one biscuit short, but that just doesn't seem right. Has anyone else experienced this? Let me know in the comments. Oh my god. <laughs> to help people in the know, so we're all on the same page. No, I'm leaving it. I'm editing out any explanation of this segment, and we're just letting it ride. <laughs> he didn't even do the voice, though. Wait, hold on. What, what voice do I have to do? Oh, damn. It was like... Yeah, the biscuits. I, I go to the store. Hey, I'm Catsman, and today I want to talk about how there are only 11 biscuits in my packet. <laughs> of unopened biscuits, label 12 biscuits in every pack. I don't know if this is a mistake or if the company is trying to rip me off, but either way, I'm not happy about it. I'm only one biscuit short, and that doesn't seem right. Has anyone else experienced this? Let me know in the comments. <laughs> Originally meant to be released in May 2022, this podcast will likely be released in July 2022. It's meant to appeal to the British market, which is ironic because literally nobody on the planet will listen to it. Welcome to lunchtime.org.uk podcast. I'm here with The Animich. You think this shit's coming out in July? I'll outsource it to Bran, it'll be fine. <coughs> the Catsman. Can anything stop The Animich? <laughs> the Moogle Pies. This will never see the light of day. The Shinty Mungo. I like that you just completely skipped Mike, who was at the top of the list. That's because he's out of order and I'm not introducing him because of it. The Woolly Shambler. Hi, we're still kicking. And the Mike. Okay, I've got some uh, I've got some opinions on uh, the diversity in this podcast already. Well, we do not like either of those things, so you can go. We don't like opinions, and we don't like diversity. I thought you were gonna say podcasts. <laughs> what are we talking about first? Designed by Monolith Soft, known for their work on the Xenogears series of JRPGs, Disaster Day of Crisis was initially meant to release in 2006 for the Nintendo Wii, then known as the Resolution. 
but was pushed back to a 2008 release as Monolith Soft was unfamiliar with the Wii architecture and had difficulties working on an action-adventure 4 game. <laughs> the game took inspiration from American disaster movies and sought to appeal to an American audience. Ironically, though, the game never saw a release in the States due to in part by poor sales in Europe and Australia and a lack of interest from Nintendo of America. Today we're talking about Disaster Day of Crisis. What did Reggie say about it? He said it was a piece of shit. <laughs> he said it looked like garbage. <laughs> he hated it. He was wrong, you know? I think he was wrong, because I enjoyed this game. I also enjoyed this game. Regrettably, I also enjoyed this game. I think it's been long enough since the time period where Waggle was enforced upon us that now I can look back and I can play Waggle games and I can be like, yeah, this is fun to do. Well, I look back and play them and I'm like, oh, this is quaint. I'm rather enjoying this. It yeah. reminds me of simpler times. You played it on an emulator and had to remap the controls constantly because you hadn't mapped certain types of waggle. I also played Mario Galaxy on an emulator without waggle, and guess what? It's a better game. Yeah, but the only waggle you need in Mario Galaxy is you just need it for an extra added boost for the jump. In Disaster Crisis, you're using your waggle in different ways, seemingly every level. It's fantastic. The gameplay of Disaster Day of Crisis, it's mostly a shooter, really. It's its like a, no. it's a light gun game, really. It's a third-person action game. Where most of the gameplay is light gun shooting. I wouldn't say most of it. I would say probably about 40% of it is. It was supposed to be a third-person action game where you wander around destroyed cityscapes, play mini-games, and then you rescue people, and each person you rescue asks you to do like a slightly different uh, action with the Wii Remote. And there's also like driving sections that are kind of short, and there's also shooting sections. But the game starts off being like 33% shooting and 66% wandering around, and it ends up being the opposite. Yeah, I'd say that's fair. It's it's interesting how it does use everything that the Wiimote and the Nunchuck did at the time. Yeah. Uh, it's a really good showcase for the Wii, and it kind of keeps things fresh. Like, it doesn't really get frustrating when it pushes different weird waggle mechanics in, because it's like, oh, here's a fun new thing I can do for like five minutes, and then back to the main sort of gameplay of wandering around looking for people to save. Yeah, it, because it just kept changing what the base of the game was, it never has time for it to really get dull. Well, like compared to your average mini game compilation, there's a lot more depth and interest when, you know, the mini games are like actual things that are like stop offs integrated into this really stupid mm. but entertaining story about disasters. About one guy having the worst day of his life because he it's... can't save everyone. <laughs> He's had a very bad day. You want, to, you want to talk about the protagonist of this game for a second? You don't know what kind of day he had, okay? <laughs> <laughs> it's a guy whose arc in the game is about not being able to save a guy from falling directly into an open volcano. His best friend, Steve. His best friend, Steve, falls into a volcano that was, I should point this out, the volcano just started erupting. It wasn't, it wasn't his fault. He didn't make the volcano erupt. And he just spends the whole game really guilty, like, oh, I let him die in the volcano. And I'm like, no, you didn't, dude. And then he meets the guy's sister, and his sister is like, you're the guy who killed my brother. And I'm like, no, he fell into a fucking volcano. And for some reason, the protagonist, what's the protagonist's name again? Raymond Bryce. Ray, that's it, Ray. <laughs> Tribal tattoos. Tribal yeah. tattoos, Raymond Bryce with his slick back anime haircut. <laughs> Raymond Bryce, like, doesn't 
for some reason have enough of a spine to just like tell this woman no I didn't kill your brother he fell into a volcano I tried to save him I guess it's this persecution complex he's got because he he blames he himself he, as well yeah. so yeah, I guess yeah, he, he agrees himself. with her it is it's really funny uh it's funny yeah. like his actions are funny and it's also funny that the primary antagonist of the game is just a guy who loves natural disasters so yeah the plot of the game is Raymond Bryce is a he's a rescue operator he goes into natural disasters but he's an ex-marine as well yeah that's why he can shoot good so he's an ex-rescue artist as well because his friend Steve dies he's retired but he gets pulled back into the force by um Barry from Dead Rising <laughs> He tells him, oh, they've captured this girl and this professor. you got to go save them. And who's them? It's fucking Surge, bro. Surge is gone. They've stolen nukes. And for some reason, Mother Nature's out to kill you too. So you got to fight Surge, which is made up of basically all the cast of Devil May Cry 3. You've got Arkham and uh, the Jester. He's in that group. You've got Dan Southworth, also known as Virgil, doing a terrible southern accent. And Dante, who's a crazy psycho who just fucking loves natural disasters, bro. Can't get enough of them. Yeah, and like, these guys don't set off the natural disasters initially. It's just like, oh, you, you gotta save these people from this earthquake zone. And then there's a tsunami, and then a volcano erupts. And then tornadoes. <laughs> and it's just like, it's every natural disaster in the world happens back to back in one day and you are just trying to rescue everyone listen some of it makes sense because tsunamis do happen as a result of earthquakes yeah yeah that's that's reasonable some of it makes sense and you can understand okay if there's been an earthquake there's been a shift in the you know tectonic bullshit then maybe this volcano also would happen to go as well like that makes sense it's when the hurricane shows up that is like what the <laughs> fuck is this because that's completely unprecedented i was just happy that someone in sims city is just cooking every disaster that they can get their hands on you know you, you just gotta play it that way sometimes why not yeah speaking of playing it that way the game plays itself completely straight yeah it's like it's not played for comedy in any way and somehow that makes that funnier when yeah. you're like running away from a pyroclastic flow or you're shooting a bear to like oh. save a young girl's life <laughs> yeah the bear fight the bear or or when you're eating a big hamburger to get your health back <laughs> Yes. <laughs> yes. I forgot about the burgies. So American. Yeah, the, the protagonist doesn't look like your your average American. I thought they could have done something really funny with that. Like, he, he looks like a, you know, a Japanese video game protagonist. Uh, yeah, no, the burger was a wonderful touch. Yeah, eating the giant burger, drinking the giant drink as well, which is like such a oh, fat white drink. Oh, yeah, the watermelon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, he eats like a stereotypical American, so they got that right. It's a fun game. I'd say it gets frustrating in parts. There's one driving section that I had to redo like 20 times because you can't see where you're going and until you hit the thing that you're not supposed to hit, you've got no idea which way you're supposed to be turning. So it's just like a trial and error. And I really didn't like the last boss fight because the waggle controls, it's it's waggle all the way through, like quick time events, and they just wouldn't work for me. But Shiny got them to work fine, so maybe I just suck at waggling. Your mileage may vary. Ironically, I I didn't have any problem with that part of the game. The only part of the game where my waggle binding didn't work was the parachute segment. I still, to this day, have no idea how that was supposed to work. I don't even remember that bit. If you fail the parachute segment enough, the game's just like, yeah, whatever, we'll just keep going. 
I think I like the game and I like the core gameplay of saving people and driving and shooting. But the further it gets on, particularly, I'd say only really with the shooting. The further the shooting gets on, the weaker it gets. This might yeah, be a me problem because I played it only on New Game Plus. But basically, towards the end of the game, it just turns all of the enemies into huge bullet sponges. You played it on New Game Plus hard. And also, you refuse to use one of the mechanics that make you do double damage. Having having said that, though, Casman, did you upgrade your weapons throughout the game? He did. He knew how to do that. <laughs> we did not realise we could do this, and so all of the enemies were bullet sponges. We made it through, but like maybe the shooting sections would have been more fun if we'd done like five times the damage we should have been doing. Yeah. Well, I feel like my damage was pretty similar to yours on New Game Plus, even though I had upgraded everything. But it might just be a New Game Plus balance problem. I can't imagine it being bad on the regular game if you had upgraded the weapons. I did that and I had no issues, pretty much. Like, it felt, it felt normal. I had to use healing items every so often, but it was fine. The other thing that annoyed me is that the game sometimes puts you into these like gimmick boss fights where the objective isn't just to like shoot the boss, and those really annoyed me. I kind of like them. I like um... it's shaking up the gameplay. And... Yeah, I I like that you got to shoot guys' knives out of the air. I like the knives. You had a lot of trouble with the like sniper section, which I found was fine. Yeah, the sniper guy pissed me off because you're not allowed to shoot him. You just have to run back and forth and like stop in certain places. But there's not really he doesn't have like a laser sight or anything. So there's no actual way in the game because the camera controls are also really wonky to establish whether he has a line of sight to you or not. I think he does. Have he a does laser. have a laser sight. I think he does. He does have a laser sight though. Maybe I'm remembering that wrong. I hated the guy who just went between like the trucks and then he like would periodically come and smash you in the face. Oh, yeah, that was boring. I didn't mind that guy. I hated that guy. I beat that guy first try, but I hated the guy who um, holds the grenade. <laughs> and, uh, like, you have to, like, shoot debris to make it hit him. But the problem is that uh, if he gets the grenade out and then you shoot some debris and it hits him, he blows everything up. Yes, that one's a little bit like it, it could have been telegraphed better when he's about to pull the grenade. I think he says a voice line and he is very obvious. No, the telegraphing isn't the problem. The problem is that it's a fucking light gun game and fucking sitting there for 40 seconds hiding behind cover just waiting for one item to appear so you can pop out of cover and shoot it is not fun. I think that's a problem with a lot of the shooting gameplay and it actually is just waiting behind cover until it's safe to pop out and shoot, uh, which especially in the end. Isn't that just what light gun games are though? No, no. No, there's two much cover if you look at something like virtual cop or house of the dead you don't have the option to wait behind cover you just got to shoot as fast as possible i think if they'd made it like that the game would be a lot more exciting yeah it's not very dynamic because as it stands once it gets a little bit difficult you're just like i'll hide behind cover and then when i'm sure no one's gonna shoot me i'll pop out and that's it there are moments though that they mix that up so that being in cover is bad. Like, there's there are enemies that fire explosives at you that you have to shoot out of the air, otherwise mm. you take damage regardless if you're in ammo. I think they should have put more of those in. And there's also a section in the flooded church where if you're in cover, you start drowning. Oh, oh yeah. that bit was cool, yeah. That was actually a good mechanic. I really liked the boss fight with the mech as well. It took us forever because we didn't have upgraded weapons, but I thought it was just really funny that at the end of the game, this guy just gets into a metal gear and starts firing missiles at you. Dante gets in a metal gear and starts to kill you. It's awesome. The mech fight was really good, but I will say the quick time event bit afterwards is fucking shit. 
Yeah, it's not great. And then you defuse a nuclear bomb, and that's the end of the game. And the, the nuclear bomb defusal bit is great. I loved it. And throughout the game, you have people talking to you on like a comms radio that comes out of the Wiimote. So it's got that awful crackly <laughs> Wiimote like intercom. I like it. Yeah, I think it's good. That's the fe- best thing about the Wiimote is the microphone, the speaker. Overall, fun game. Probably wouldn't play it again, but I'm glad that I did play it. It is a very flawed game. It's kind of annoying. You can tell that the team hadn't made one of these games before but i think it's charming in that we're far enough from like the wii era of gaming now where you look at a guy with like spiky hair and tribal tattoos and you're like yeah game characters did used to look like that it's quite brown and gray isn't it it is yeah yeah it is well it's a fucking natural disaster game what do you expect yeah that's that is allowed maybe so maybe so but you gotta replay it again so you can upgrade your weapons because the final stinger at the end of the game. <laughs> a week later, after the event, the president is just chilling out. Oh, yeah. And someone comes, Mr. President, we have a problem. There's a fucking meteor coming towards Earth, my man. And he's like, oh, my God, get Ray in a fucking spacesuit. Send him up there to fire rockets at this fucking <laughs> meteor. There's only one man for the job. Do you all remember when in Armageddon, Steve Buscemi goes moon crazy and kills everyone with a Gatling gun? <laughs> no. <laughs> it didn't happen. It did happen. I remember when... I was a little kid and my uh, mom was helping me with an assignment and she actually called someone up from the local observatory and like, yeah, an observatory technician with like a Maryland Southern accent uh, was just like on the other line and just like apropos of nothing. Uh, he started talking to me about Armageddon, and he was just like, well, yeah, and you see those ships with their extra rockets, and it's like, I mean, around the office, we call that Armageddon. <laughs> I thought you were going to say he was going to talk about the end of the world. I think the last thing I'd say about Disaster Day of Crisis is there is a mechanic in which you have to breathe deeply to clean your lung of ash. Oh, yes! God. Yeah, there is. I love it, T-Post gang. I do this in real life now, ever since we played this game. <laughs> do you really? Yes. Where he like holds his arms out wide and just like does a big breath in. It's like a yoga thing. It's very funny. You press X to breathe. So final word on Disaster Day Crisis and Monolith Soft. Like you think having this big of a fucking failure under their belt and on a new system, they die like most devs. But Monolith Soft, you know, they bounce back harder than any other guys I've seen. Like Xenoblade is killing it these days so yeah they went back and they've made a game that sold like shit and then they became a support studio for nintendo they also made two weeaboo games that, that you love two weren't they also involved in breath of the wild as the support for the open world on it yeah because they do like some of the most interesting open worlds in video games they do all nintendo's open world design now so the legend of Disaster Day Crisis has been relegated to a spirit in Super Smash Brothers, where you can fight Raymond Bryce as a me, I think, and <laughs> hurricanes attack you. I've got a quote for you. Torbjorn is more old than Lucio is black. <laughs> so true.
So true. Diversity space method. I've got to say, I love that it's taken us so long to getting around to recording this podcast that this is now like completely outdated news. Yeah, yeah news cycles move too fast for the show. Especially the Blizzard news cycle. <laughs> I, I, I had a joke about uh, drinking your uh, your employee's breast milk. That's just going to go nowhere now. <laughs> Still the most grim thing to come out of them. Did you know Bobby Kodak is back as the president of the company? <laughs> He's back he's still there christ so to take everyone's minds off blizzard torturing all of their employees incessantly they released a weird diversity octagon that most people started comparing to phrenology they've been developing this with the king's university or something right no it came out of king the company king yeah king the company candy crush they're marketing people like we use this in our games to make sure that they have maximum diversity and then one of their developers was like i've never seen this what the hell is this this seems really tone deaf and yeah you get a you get like an octagon or a decagon and then you draw people's diversity in it like you would like a stat block for a jojo's bizarre adventure character yeah the example we've got is from Blizzard, is Anna from Overwatch. Um, Overwatch have said that they have never used these diversity pentagrams, but uh, that, that this has just been applied by the company in their press release to kind of give an example. So Anna is a 60-year-old uh, Egyptian lady sniper who has one eye um, from uh, Overwatch. Uh, she is on their own polygon, scoring quite high for culture and race due to the whole Egypt thing, uh, quite high for age due to being 60. Physical ability, she uh, scores kind of middling for having lost an eye, and gender identity, she's about halfway through. I don't know what... Is that because she's a woman? I think because she's a woman. It's because yeah. she's a woman, yes. Oh, oh! A woman is 50%? It's because it's based upon representation. So women are less represented than men, so that is a step up from being... I see. I just thought, like, eight is trans and one is cis. And then there's a bunch of in-betweens. Yeah, yeah, Trans would yeah. be ten, I think. No, it's not, it's not as nuanced as that. It's almost like we're, 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 we're pulling apart how this works and making sure that it doesn't. This is the thing. So no one can figure out exactly how to fit people in, which is why the whole Torbjorn is older than Lucio is black thing is like, on race, what scores you 10 out of 10 for race? Is it being black? Is it being some other minority that's not as represented in video games? And where do the talking animals and robots score on, on race and culture? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, where's Conker from Conker's Bad Fur Day? He's British. <laughs> that's his culture, I guess. No, that counts as a disability. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, Reaper's a ghost. Does that count as disability? Is that a race? That's physical ability, I think. Being dead. He's dead. Uh, so do you want to all go... If you've, if you've come up with a diversity polygon... All right, for my presentation, I picked Lord Vivek. From? From The Elder Scrolls Three, Morrowind. Culture just maxed out. Dunmer are weird. I figured that's what like they were going for with that. In a fantasy setting where culture is not the same as the cultures in our universe, how do you score that? Oh, this is a whole kettle of fish. The Dunmer are, are uh, extinct in Elder Scrolls, so he's one of the last of his kind. Oh, that puts you way up. But do we apply it to the in-universe culture, or do we apply that to our real-world culture? I think if it's something that doesn't exist in the real world, you have to do it based upon how it is presented within their fake world culture. 
so within the game, uh, yeah, the Dunmer were, you know, well, frankly, rightfully sort of loathed. But the game takes place in the Dunmer land. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There, I'll put it this way. You have you have analogs for like a traditional European feudal society. I mean, there's a bunch of weird asterisks there. But like you have humans and pretty much like a, a, a decent smattering of them. And, and yeah, the Dunmer are just like utterly alien in comparison. You've put him as race one, though. Surely he'd be higher if he's a dwarf, right? He's not a dwarf. Lord Vivek is, uh, no, he's a Dunmer slash Keimer. He's got multiple races, and again, not in a thing where he's, like, mixed race, like in a thing where he's both of them at once. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Race one, mainly because he can kind of also, he, she can kind of present himself however, however he wants. All right, age, he's so fucking old. Think like elf years, but like going even even further. Cognitive ability, yeah, like super fucking smart, blah, blah, blah. So he gets a one. Physical ability, same thing. Uh, body type, pretty much just, just kind of average. So this raises the question as well. If you've got an average body type, I would think about scoring you as a one, but I would yeah. also think about scoring you as a one if you were hench and super ripped, because I think those are, from our perspective, like the the body types that are the GI Joe body. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but but he's 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 a bit like a, a twinkier, spindlier, um, uh, okay. and also also half one color, half the other. Uh, that's it's uh, where it gets weird. Oh yeah, he'll score for that. Yeah, facial features, beauty. Um, uh, yeah, it's it's a Morrowind model. So, so yeah, <laughs> super fucking ugly, max diversity. Looking at this image of, of this character, compared to what most Morrowind or like just generally that fucking Elder Scrolls characters look like, this is not an unattractive character. I wouldn't, I wouldn't put this all the way up there. I, I, well, I'm into bears, so it's not really working for me. <laughs> Rounding it out, uh, gender identity. So Lord Vivek uh, is in this kind of super position. It's like one of those Indian gods where like uh, he has like a female form and a male form. And so just like if female is five and male is one, he's kind of sitting exactly at the average. Mm. I don't know. Does that make him non-binary, which I think would be more than five? No, no, he's not. He's he's it's it, it, there's definitely a very, very clear binary, like literally just half and half like uh, like the the feminine parts of it are, are of, of him are are very clearly feminine the the, the masculine parts are masculine like uh, yeah it's 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 a whole thing read more in the 36 lessons of vivic all right sexual orientation he's down for anything even even problematic stuff and socioeconomic background before he was a god he was a trans prostitute um yeah Wait, so if he used to be a trans prostitute, would that not also bump up his gender identity? I'd say so. Mm, that might actually give him one more point to up to three. I'd, I'd push him above five for that. Yeah. I feel like this character, at the very least, gender identity would be a five because there is the female version of this character. Is it is it the type of thing where it flips between one or the other? Is it constantly both? Um. Yeah. Yeah. It's it flips between one or the other. I would say it's a it's at least a five then because okay part of its iteration is female, which is a scoring five based on Anna. True. True. All right. All right. Yeah. Well, I think you've you've chosen a very diverse character, actually, Mike, and you've reasoned it through pretty well. So that's going to be a tough one to beat. Does anyone think they can beat that? Well, Moogle's posted his next. Do you want to? So 
I think everyone here is going to know this character. Do you want us to try and guess? I want you to try and guess who the character is. Okay. You know this character based on what they like. Specifically Specs and Shiny there. Based on what they like. Is it Donkey Kong? <laughs> so they're old. They're either really old or really young. Diddy. Scrooge McDuck? It is a him. It is, it is male. Like, the character is male. Middle-aged gay man who used to be kind of poor and is black and cultured a bit. Uh, gay Tony? <laughs> it is not. Mr. Gold and Mr. Silver. I'm not that kind of guy. This is from a Japanese game series. I'm out. He likes dirt. Oh, Ryu? Water, Water without ice. Oh, <laughs> yes. Why is Ryu so high on age? He's because like... he's 58. What? It's 2022. He was born in 1964. I guess it's what What game does he appear in where he's 58, though? Well, assuming that Street Fighter Six is set in 2020 or 2022, he's in his late 50s by this point. He looks damn good. He does, doesn't he? That's why he's got a fucking zero on body type and physical ability. All right, you're going to need to reason some of this through. So is Ryu gay? He's not. He's asexual. He never shows any interest in sex whatsoever. True. I don't think it should count unless the character is confirmed asexual in the material. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm putting that as a zero. He has like an, well, who was an 18-year-old, like, high schooler chasing after him, like, very thirsty for him. He does fucking nothing. That just means he's not a nonce. Yeah. It just means 18 and a nonce specs. When he's fucking 50, he's that's 50, a then, weird yeah. age gap, especially if she's his student. She wasn't 18 when he was 50. Okay, the point is, look, I, unless he's confirmed, I think I think enough. he's just one of those like chased anime protagonists who's like, I don't is. have time for love. I have to save the world. You know what I mean? Which is the most boring sexual orientation of all time. Oh, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> all right, we'll score him a one then for sexual orientation. Score him a one yeah, on that. Yeah, yeah. Bring that, bring that down. You've given him some cognitive ability. What for? You think he's pretty dumb? He's. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's a fucking moron. He's pretty. He's he's fucking dumb. He's so fucking stupid. He is, he, he really is. There's, there's something in the comics about him trying to use a computer and it's <laughs> fucking wonderful. Like he has, a, he has an MSN conversation with Sakura, like really long distance and like he's, he's amazing in it. Um, socioeconomic background, poor as fuck, raised in rural Japan. Yeah, fair. Like he really does love dirt and, and jumping into like this, so. <laughs> and water. And water, water that nice. All of this makes sense. But I don't think it's it's beaten Mike's pick. I don't think it beats Lord Does, does anyone have a character that could stand up to Mike? I have a character that can maybe stand up to Mike. I give you Kirby. Ooh. <laughs> Kirby! Okay, so talk us through this. <laughs> okay, so let's start with socioeconomic background. Kirby has no concept of money. Yep. Kirby lives on his own, middle of nowhere, you know, he's he's a rambler. He has a house, right, though? It, in some of the media, he has a house. On the other hand, though, has he has he ever known poverty? Has he ever known hunger? Yeah, I think he doesn't need money to live. He does not know. He's constantly hungry. He's constantly hungry. Um, Do you know what I think? I think having no concept or regard for money puts you at a, a low for that because it yeah. means you don't have to worry about it. And the, the yeah, whole diversity yeah. point of that is that it's something that you are lacking in a privileged context. So because Kirby doesn't have to concern himself with money, I would say that that's a, a one or a zero.
I would argue that uh, Kirby is under the rule of King DDD, who brands him as a criminal for trying to take what he needs to survive. Mm. And therefore, Kirby is persecuted by the ruling classes for the way he lives his I life. I see. Okay, you got it. No. no. King DDD is a good guy. This is not the plot of Kirby. The plot of Kirby is the opposite of this. Kirby persecutes King DDD. King Dedede tried to stop Kirby getting all the parts of the Star Rod and unleashing Nightmare onto Dreamworld. He was one of the good guys. Yeah, these are the stages of history, okay? Okay, Kirby Kirby is using primitive acquisition and, and is basically just, just a, you know, a one-man uh, roving band of bandits, whereas King Dedede is uh, it's feudalism. It's the next stage. Yeah, that's what I'm saying, dude. I'm gonna argue against this by the Great Cave Offensive in Kirby Superstar. That's true. Where Kirby collects, like, 30 treasures and sells them all for money. Hey, it makes <laughs> a kill him. You're right about that. Kirby does make a killing on that. Okay, I'll back down on socioeconomic background. Specs, you're gonna have to explain to me race. He He's the same colour as a British man who's been in the sun too long. Race and culture, Kirby is the second last of his kind, uh, assuming that Meta Knight is also a star warrior. So there is no one other than Meta Knight who doesn't even like Kirby, let's be honest, because he's a little babby, um, that shares a culture or a race with Kirby on his entire planet. Unless you're playing Amazing Mirror or Mass Attack, in which case there are multiple Kirby. But they're all Kirby as well. Yeah, I can respect that. I agree with that. Yeah. Okay, age, Kirby is baby. Yeah, he is he's baby. baby, that's true. Yeah, he's a baby, so that's the lowest. No, 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 no. no, no. no. Age is a curve. It's like a, a horseshoe. Yeah, I'm just confused now. So basically the most represented age bracket in video games is probably like 16, 16 to, 25, to 25, 18 to 30, something like that. So being very, very young or very, very old okay. is the prerequisites for having a high age score. I've knocked off a blob because we know now that there was to be a kid Kirby, so Kirby could potentially have been younger in a Kirby game, but we've never seen him as young as he could possibly be. Cognitive ability, I've get, I could have maybe given him more. Kirby is practically mute. He doesn't really speak, but he can understand language. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. I agree with that. It doesn't affect him that much, but it, it probably would be difficult for him to fully integrate into society with the way he's able to speak. Sure. I would like to argue against this because Kirby's ghost trap has him talk and viscerally insult every other member of the cast. What is Kirby's ghost trap? That is the Puyo Puyo clone. I've never even heard of that. It's Dr. Robotnik's mean bean machine, but for Super Nintendo. All right, so in some media, Kirby is able to talk, potentially, then. And he's fucking vicious. He's fucking evil. Um, I've knocked I, I've knocked Kirby up to, like, a two for physical ability because he's got no fingers and thumbs. Well, he could just absorb someone with fingers and thumbs. Also, he can fucking fly. Are you kidding? He can do anything. Yeah. That's his gimmick. He can do anything if he sucks someone. All right, all right. May maybe I've gone a bit overboard with giving him a two there. I think some of these are okay, but you I think you've overegged the pudding. I think he's done better than Moogle's pick, but I don't think oh, he's beaten out Lord Vivek yet. I think before you even start on body type, I would put this all the way down to a one because the number of little round creatures that exist which are loved by everyone is very very high yeah yeah also you know you know in in a long winding like bass backwards kind of way uh he's basically got dad bod which is you know coming back from style <laughs> i just think there's a lot of soft round friends in video games and he's one of them and i i feel like that would lower him on the body type uh, diversity spectrum perfect roundness 
Why did you do gender identity as three? I, I don't think Kirby's really that much male, really. I, I think he's he's kind of, uh, what's, what's the word? Androgynous. androgynous he's yeah. a little bit androgynous, but he's just a guy. Everyone knows he's, he's just a little guy. guy. He's the type of guy you could have a beer with. What's Kirby's sexual orientation? Um, I've gone with asexual. He'll kiss anyone. He'll kiss anyone, as long as they have food. He will, that's true. That's, that's true. true. I've got one. Is this for the diversity cup, or is this a fun one? I want you to guess it. Oh, God. Okay. Oh, my God, there's a lot. Oh, my fucking what, God. What in the God, fuck why? am I looking at? So this is this is someone with multiple forms. Mmm. How many forms have we got here? We've got grey, green, blue, purple. Hold on. It's, a, it's eight. So a single character that has eight forms. Eight forms? Who has eight forms? Ben 10. Ben 10's got eight forms. <laughs> no, he doesn't. He has ten forms, you idiot. No. <laughs> No, he's called Ben 10 because he's 10 years old. His name is a misnomer. He's 10 years old. Evie! Oh, good good call, but no. It's a human. It's a human. A human? It's the same human, but from different entries in the same series? Like, they're getting older as the series goes on? No, good guess, but no. Is it Sora? No. <sighs> is it Harry Dubois based on the different... Uh... Ah. No, no. <laughs> they're the protagonist of their game. This is all from the same game. It's not a series thing. This person is in the same game. Ooh! From the same game. But they're only gay in one form. That's right. And there are different races in, what, diff in different forms and different ages in different forms. Another clue. Uh, it's a game from the noughties. What console? What console? GameCube. 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 Yeah, I think you've got us beat. Yeah, I don't know. Okay, uh, well, I'm sorry. Killer7. Oh, uh, very good. Very, very good. Thank you. Can you explain some of this to me? Because I've not played Killer7. Killer7 is a game where you play as a squad of assassins who are all actually one person, one old man called Harmon Smith, who changes physical shape as he changes the personalities in his head. Mm. The personalities in his head are also the people he's killed in the past. Oh. Um, so the red one is Harmon himself. He is a wheelchair-bound old man. Uh, he was born in the like 18th century, so I'm not sure about socioeconomic background, how that relates <laughs> to people born in the modern day, but I just put him in the middle. Age, super old. Cognitive ability, he's comatose most of the time. Physical ability, again, wheelchair-bound, but he does wield a giant rifle, so I, that's why I put it at 10, because he can still shoot that thing. Let's see, uh, there's one gay, there's one gay Killer7, um, confirmed gay. Uh, there's one person who wears a Hawaiian shirt, which is why I put him slightly higher on sexual orientation. <laughs> nice! <laughs> nice! nice. Uh, and then there's two confirmed straight people, and the rest that he's putting at two. There's one woman, the pink one, go figure. So I I like the pick, but I have no idea whether a character with seven forms edges out Mike's. It's one character. If it's one character, one we person. take the average of all of these, do you think? Do you just take the biggest score from everyone and just add them together? <laughs> I still think if you did that, I think Mike is still on really? par with this. Yeah, look, looking at the spread. Are you ready? We're going to win this, baby. We're going to win this. Well, I'm not going to say guess who it is or whatever, because I did pictures and shit, so here we go. Here's my character. <laughs> God damn it. It's Jinx! It's Jinx from Pokemon! So, gender identity is five. They can only be female. Sexual orientation, because they're only female, they, can, they have to have sex with different species. Socioeconomic background, it's a slave, a fight slave. <laughs> yeah, fair. The culture of the Jinx is, they, they have their own culture, they work with Santa. 
No one, no, not many other Pokemon work with Santa. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. Race black. Great. <laughs> Great. Uh, age. Age. They evolve. They evolve at thirty. So I'm gonna say it's average age. You know, so it's a one or a two. Cognitive ability. It's psychic type. Okay, so it has a higher mm. cognitive ability. Physical ability because it's working for Santa. I think it it can. It has fingers and thumbs, arms and legs. It can do its things. Body type. It's like a squat potato thing so it's a bit Jesus it's not Christ. like an average like i don't think this thing has any hips i don't know are you not saying that that's a sexy looking lady that's why it's not like a one like some people would be put off by the look of this thing but some people would have sex with it <laughs> some people i can't name any i think i won <laughs> uh... i think i think you could probably push cognitive ability down a little bit more what? because because it's psychic type you know it can probably telepathically talk to people if it needs to pokemon are like animals although that said i guess being like an animal isn't it's not abnormal for a pokemon is it no you, you don't expect them to be being psychic type would anything be a disadvantage that said right the rest of it let's just let's, i'm just gonna scroll back and forth i think I think he might have Mike beat, but if so, only by hold a on. tiny we'll, bit. We'll, we'll, Mitch has got we'll... more consistency because you've got Lord Vivek on something zero, whereas I think Mitch is, is playing like an area game. He's got less zeros. Hmm. All right. Um. Let's see. In well, so we talked about this, and I, I think we should move my race to maxed out and gender identity to pretty high. Yeah. Oh, that is right. Mike under egg the pudding. Yeah. Yeah. If that's the case, Mike still got this looking at looking at it side by side. Yeah. Yeah, I think Vivek is a good pick. Oh no. Although it was very close. Yeah, yeah. And I will take my crown as the <laughs> the least bigoted person on this podcast. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I, I I'm sorry that my life experiences and the intersection of my various identities have led me to being a better person than you guys. Before we wrap up this segment, I really enjoy just talking about where these fit. So I would be happy if we just had like a randomly selected character where we would discuss where we think they go on Ooh, this that, like yeah, in the next would, one yeah, yeah. like it's just like a segment of the podcast okay. i think that would be fun to do this is a stupid way to build <laughs> characters yeah. yes the solution to not having diverse characters in video games is to hire writers and designers from a broad spectrum of backgrounds and allow them to use their personal experiences to design their own characters and not say oh, that's not going to go well with the white American public who want to play it. You just say, oh, yeah, that's a cool character. We'll put it in the game. And if people don't buy it, then they're idiots. I agree. Yeah. Or you could just hire gay guys like me because we're the best at it. <laughs> just just put numbers in it. You know, we've got to have numbers. You gotta, you gotta be able to quantify. It's funny how much this is. This is just like shooting themselves in the foot because it's like the opposite of intersectionality. Yeah. Yeah. It's just literally so tone deaf. It's just, all of these things are one dimension, and, and it's pitting like everything in competition with one another. Like, oh, you are more diverse racially than I am. Or you're more diverse in your sexual orientation than I am. It's like it's not a competition to see who's the most oppressed. Like it's freaking insane. It clearly was a competition, as we proved. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, but it is, and I won. I'll just point out that I did not participate. Well, maybe if you had, you would have won. I couldn't because uh, my cognitive <laughs> yeah. ability didn't allow me to. Ah, uh, <laughs> you see. Extremely bright when he connects. 
Superfly. Let's talk about dreams. Specs, I'm going to start with your sleep talking, which was the creation of Suliano Grande Bambo. <laughs> yes, um, I sleep talk, and for the last maybe six months, I have been recording myself uh, every night and posting my best sleep talks to the Dream Hut channel we have in our Discord. Uh, one of the best of these is when uh, I just shouted the word Bambo, uh, <laughs> followed by Suliano Grande Bambo. He told me. Bambo. Suriano Grando Bambo. He told me. A lot of his streams are just doing offensive um, <laughs> yeah. impressions of like Italians, Spanish people. <laughs> so uh, there's also one where I just make a load of unintelligible noises and then finish with they do say that, don't they? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Greg. <laughs> You know, they do say that. I don't know where all that came from, but apparently they say it. Uh, I'll put them in um, the podcast as like the between segment noises that I tend to put in. So uh, if you're wondering why I just randomly say some weird shit between segments, it's me asleep. Okay, uh, I'm going to go through the list. I'm just going to send each of you your dream to uh, read out. And if you have any... Well, I have my own. Oh, you have your... Do you want to start with your dream? Oh, okay, sure. So this is a Simpsons dream I had. It's outlined in the in the format of an episode of The Simpsons. So Homer is growing weed in the living room. FBI agents appear behind him. Homer blames Bart for the weed, and while they argue, the kitchen train set catches fire. Marge, Homer, and Bart exit the house as firefighters arrive. One more character leaves as well. Looks like Flanders' mum dress-wise. Hey, Bart, that was a pretty crappy thing that happened to you. Wow, name of token celebrity that doesn't exist. What are you doing here? You should come to the club and jam with us sometime. Smash cut to Bart on stage at a hipster club. He is holding an oversized saxophone. He is terrible and the audience laughs. Bart sits down at a table looking sad. He looks shocked at someone on stage. It's Lisa with her sax. She starts playing the first five notes of Undertale as the crowd cheer. <laughs> cut to Bart and Lisa leaving the bar. Wow, Lisa, I didn't know you liked Underwatch. Whenever Underwatch is said, it sounds like a YouTube poo. <laughs> yeah, I love Underwatch. Alarm wakes me up. I I love that. You've just written a modern Simpsons episode. <laughs> yeah. I love when dreams are like framed as a TV show or something. Whenever Zexu has dreams, it's always like she's got like director's notes for her dream and stuff. Like it's mm. always like it's being acted out by people we've watched too much television mine tend to be about me like and more kind of first person-y so i never get that kind of real oh it looks like i'm watching a, a made-up show that my brain has yeah. invented specs as someone who has read all of your dreams yesterday i can tell you that you predominantly dream about shit and piss yes <laughs> so true. i've just sent you do you want to read that one out and then the next one is yours as well i'll send that to you as well I woke up for a piss and also had a dream after that of going for a piss at work. All of the toilet cubicles were open plan, but when you approached a toilet, the walls came up from the floor to surround you for privacy. I accidentally pissed down the back of the toilet and had to wipe it up, but the walls went back down after I finished pissing so people could see me just <laughs> wiping up piss with toilet paper. And the second piss and shit, the second piss and shit dream is amazing. Highlight of a dream I just woke up from at a friend's house and needed a shit. He has a toilet in his garden. Not 
not an outhouse or anything, just a plumbed toilet that has no coverings or walls to protect it from the elements. I decide to shit in it, in full view of my friends, my friend's mum, and my own grandma. I flush, and not only does the toilet flush, but so does the nearby bird bath. As I return towards the house, my grandma tells me that the toilet just flushes into the artificial duck pond. I look over at the pond, and the dream zooms in on a little <laughs> pipe in the middle of the pond, which is almost blocked with sausage-shaped excrements. One of the sausages is pushed off and floats away as my large log arrives in the pipe. I had been eating sweet corn. Later, I tell my friend's girlfriend about the shit pond and we look over at the pond in time to see a turd rocket out of the pipe. It clears the pond vertically by about 20 centimetres and then splashes into the water, startling some nearby ducks. Uh, All time great. That is a beautiful Incredible. dream. That's a, good, that's a good dream. I, I wish I had dreams. The zoom ins in that dream were great as well. Like, like it did, it did zooms. follow. Yeah, it, it like it did a did a proper like motion Tracking blur shots. sort of zoom in. Yeah, it was really good. I wondered, like, like did people, you know, before television and like movies, like before the concept of like filming something, did did people's dreams like have that shit in it? No, they didn't. I think they've done studies on this. Dreams used to be in black and white. I don't fucking believe that shit for a second. Dreams used to be black and white until television was invented. Colour television. I don't believe that. I don't believe that. That's true. I don't believe that. It's true. People, people remember it. People see in black and white. And all of my dreams, for the most part, are like me existing in my space. So why would that be in black and white when I don't see me existing in my space in black and white? Maybe people who watched black and white films did. I guess we'd have to go talk to, like, Amish people or something who don't <sighs> own a television and see what colour they dream in. Amish people are allowed to own televisions. It fucked me up when I found out. I feel like they're traitors to their own kind. Yeah. Last night's stream involved a factory that seemed to be sorting and cleaning feces to turn into meals, as well as one of my friends revealing that he had a secret year-old baby that he hadn't told us about. Uh, I had a dream that I got into a sword fight with my friend Jared and then sat around on a couch in a half-furnished room, still awaiting flooring, a proper ceiling and some wall plastering. I was talking to Vladimir Putin. He seemed like a friendly guy and we exchanged numbers and I showed him on a map where my parents lived. I told him I had to go and he tried to kiss me. I explained that I didn't feel that way about him and he looked quite upset. I worried if I had just precipitated thermonuclear war. <laughs> that is a great one. That's yeah, really like good. the the sense of like, oh god, I really should have kissed Putin. Now he's gonna <laughs> nuke my parents' house. Like that was that was honestly that was the the thing I woke up with. I was like, oh god, what have I done to Putin? <laughs> Waking up in a cold sweat. Yeah. Yeah, really. Uh, I had a dream that I went to KFC, but there were waitresses doing table service and it was kind of fancy inside. When my food came, the waitress told me not to start eating yet because the correct sauce hadn't arrived. She then walked me through which types of fried chicken paired best with which chicken sauce. Before she left, she leant over the table and her mouth extended out as if it was a retractable trunk or proboscis and she kissed one of the pieces of chicken. She apologised and told me that she couldn't resist because it tastes so good. Yeah, I think it's not just him being obsessed with pissing and shitting. He's obsessed with kissing as well, it seems. <laughs> I think I've learned so much about specs by doing this. Um, I don't have one personally, but my friend Elliot had a dream in which he was having dinner with Tom Scott, and they both had some kind of mysterious braised meat, but Tom Scott kept referring to it as the forbidden flesh. <laughs> 
Who the fuck is Tom Scott? He's that guy in the red shirt who's like, I'm at place. <laughs> what? What? You know, he's, he wears a red shirt and he's like, I'm at the world's largest mattress hey. or something. And then he <laughs> talks about it. He t- it's like know. a YouTube celebrity. He like talks about the world's largest mattress oh, for three oh, minutes. Okay. Yeah, okay, I, I, I recognize know, I know this him. guy. I know the man. I dreamt I was back at my job at the maid service being introduced to a new customer. Uh, I've been told in advance that this customer was very specific about etiquette and manners. What this meant in practice was that the man had the power to walk through walls and expected me to be able to do the same. <laughs> As he showed me around his massive house, he just kept walking through the walls while listing everything he needed me to do in each room, and I had to scramble through the nearest doorways to keep up with him. The man had no face or even a complete head, only a worn-down nub sticking out of the collar. At the end of this tour of 20-plus rooms, he handed me a recipe for some kind of fish casserole he wanted me to make for his teenage son, and I was jolted awake instantly. Very good. <laughs> Very good dream. It's like the intersection of surrealism and like a stress dream from totally. someone who's had to work in the service industry. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I love when you've got to like conform to real-world rules, but like the dream doesn't, so you're like, oh god, how do I navigate this like non-Newtonian space? That's me in all dreams. Like you only act like yourself in in a dream, you know. At least I do. Yeah. A couple of nights ago, I had a disturbing dream. Shiny had broken up with me, and she was dating Chris Rimmer. (laughs) (laughs) This would never happen. Do you want to explain to the listeners who Chris Rimmer is and why? What the appeal of him? Chris Rimmer is one of my friends from work. Um, I keep meeting him in the corridor at my current job, but we work different jobs now, and uh, we catch up and hang out. But I keep, um, I keep like talking about him so much to Shiny that she thinks that I've got a thing for Chris Rimmer. (laughs) So I'm not sure if I was more disturbed by this dream that Shiny had broken up with me and was dating Chris Rimmer, or if that meant that I couldn't date Chris Rimmer. I think that the the plays about you being in love with Chris Rimmer started as a result of this dream, though. Might have done. Yeah, yeah. Because I think you were projecting. (laughs) I saw Chris Rimmer the other day. I know you did. You tell me every time. (laughs) Love Rimmer. Got rimmed in the corridor, if you know what I mean. (laughs) Woke up with the words J. Edgar... Woke up with the words J. Edgar Hoover Memorial Pie in my brain. <laughs> what? What do you think's in a J. Edgar Hoover that. Memorial Pie? I just, I just woke up with the, the statement J. Edgar Hoover Memorial Pie in my head. I thought that was part of the dream, like you had a, a that pie for your brain. No, I just, I just woke up and it was, it was uh, just words in my head. J. Edgar Hoover. J. Edgar Mo- Hoover Memorial Pie. I, I am rubbing my temples right now trying to figure out a chicken hawk joke. We've got more specs, but I want to take a break of specs because I think we're penetrating too deep, in, deep, too deep, deep into his psyche, like Psychonaut style. Let's do Moogle's one from yesterday. That was good. Oh, don't, don't do that. Is this the one where you got a handwritten note from Jacob Rees-Mogg? No, although that one was quite funny also. Okay, uh, Body Horror and Bugs... Uh, had an extremely vivid fever dream. I've had COVID for the last like week now. Last night, where I was still living with my parents, so I knew it was a dream early. 
but I saw a weird spot or a small hole on my palm. When I looked at it for longer, it suddenly burst outward into a sore, then widened as a cobalt blue centipede emerged from it. Wow. It was maybe two to three centimeters wide and about six centimeters long. On the other side of my palm, a second hole opened up and did the same, only the second centipede was like a bronze color. There was no pain, but it was still concerning. I threw the centipedes into the bin and then looked at my hand and could see the holes in it in excruciating detail. The flesh kind of looked like cooked mincemeat like you'd find in either a shepherd's pie or a lasagna. I pointed this out to my family, but no one seemed to find it strange. I went out to dig the centipedes from the bin, only to see another hole forming on my other hand, and then I woke up and my hand twitched. Not a fan of that. Very scary. Uh, I'm going to go through a few of my dreams because they. I've realized while uh, preparing these that my dreams play out like green texts. <laughs> I had a long dream in which I tried repeatedly to recycle a bag full of antimony. I tried to take it everywhere, but none of the recycling centers would accept it. So eventually I just left the bag in a random place. But uh, someone picked the bag up and returned it to me because they thought I'd lost it. I dreamt that I went to the moon and found a load of moon collectibles, mostly framed pictures left there by previous astronauts. <laughs> so I took them home, but when I got back, I realized there was no room for them in the house, so I just threw them in the bin. I like that <laughs> as like a joke in like Futurama or something, that they find all these pictures of like astronauts left behind. That's a funny joke. I'm also I'm going to read out a joke from Squiddo here. I dreamed we had a meetup. We played something like Gartic Phone, except you had to choose one of four drawings to recreate. And you didn't have a lot of time to choose. I found it was really difficult and stressful. Everyone's favorite meme that I felt left out of because I didn't get it was the concept of the British royal family dunking some kind of sports ball in a cup of tea. <laughs> you guys absolutely lost it over this every time it came up. <laughs> when I tried to tell you I didn't get it, you just looked at me weird and said you couldn't explain the joke. <laughs> okay, okay. When we go to Sweden and we meet Squiddo, we have to do this. <laughs> Remember this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like a recurring thing in Squiddo's dreams that other people have in jokes and they just won't explain them to him. Like I can't imagine why talking to us. <laughs> <laughs> But also, I just think it's really funny that it's like the st like a stereotypically like weird British in joke. <laughs> Hold on, shiny. I'm gonna send you uh, a historic dream that you had. Oh no, shinies are always creepy. Yeah, I only ever have nightmares. She has those women thoughts. <laughs> the, this one was. <laughs> this was not a horror dream. Actually, this was alright. So this was a, um, I can't remember if it was a meetup or if it was just like me and Specs were at Moogle's. No, it must have been a meetup. We were at Moogle's house and we were like getting, it was just after he'd moved, so we were getting the house tour. And we went into his room and he had um, bed sheets, which were like custom printed with a like a, an old fashioned cell phone. Um, like a mobile phone and it just like the big brick yeah like big brick and it was like it had like a like a cartoon face on it and it had um in impact font like meme meme like text on the top it said fuck selfies and underneath it said i like it here <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah and that was all I do actually, I think I made an image of it you as well. You did, I have it here, but I can't copy paste it to you. But if you search the dream hut, you'll find fuck selfies, I like it here. I had a dream that we were hunting for ghosts in a house, like in Phasmophobia. The ghost was an orangutan, and it wanted to watch me piss. <laughs> you, you have again, a fucking fetish. I, I told you.
I don't know if it's just that I only post my dreams if they contain piss or if all of my dreams are about piss. I mean, I did only keep the funny ones. Like, if you had a boring dream or a long dream, I didn't put it. There's another one for you. My cat came into the living room, jumped up onto the back of the sofa and started rubbing against my dad's shoulders. My dad got up and said, that's disgusting. The cat had farted right by his face. <laughs> it kept walking around the room, farting. <laughs> Somehow we ended up in a situation where the cat was holding my shoulders. <laughs> the cat was holding my shoulder with one of its front paws and I was walking... <laughs> I was walking in a low crouch so that it could still touch the ground with its back paws. We waddled around. <laughs> we waddled around and it released a constant stream of gas. <laughs> oh god, I don't remember these. <laughs> My favourite trend for Spex dreams was the one where he always ended it with, and I woke up and needed to piss. <laughs> we all do, though. That's the first thing you do when you go. There was a solid year where it was a dream about piss or shit and then him needing to piss or shit at the end of the dream. No, no, no. There's one very specific dream in here in which he the entire dream was about him needing to shit and then he woke up and he, he made a point <laughs> of noting that he didn't need to shit. <laughs> This will become a recurring segment. Keep posting your dreams in the dream hut or writing them down on your phone after you wake up. Yeah, everything's better now. I don't know why, but it's better. I grew up in the last two weeks. Do we want to do haunted video games? I think we should do haunted games. Explain the concept of a haunted video game, Catsman. Haunted games is kind of a misnomer, because it's more like a game that haunts you. And I would describe a haunted game as a game that occupies a very large space in your mind compared to how important or well-remembered or remembered whatsoever the game is. I think it's like um, when you're a kid and you see something that is like a terrifying part of a movie or a TV show and then you go back to visit it as an adult and it wasn't that scary. You like conquer that fear. Or that. Something that you have like a vivid memory of as a kid but you like still think about occasionally or like, you know, just a game that occupies some part of your mind for some weird reason. It lives rent free in your head. It lives rent free, yeah. So many of us went back and played our haunted games. So who wants to talk about a game that has haunted them and what they thought about it? I'll talk about my haunted video game. It's a Sega Mega Drive game called Marco and his Magic Football. This game looked fucking terrible. It was made by Whoopi and it released on a couple different systems. I had the Mega Drive version as a kid and I could never get past the second level. You play as Marco, who is a young boy, and he lives in a shitty rural town, which is all brown and grey. Factories. Disgusting factories. He lives in, yeah. He lives in Britain. Yeah. <laughs> There's an evil m man called the Colonel or something, and he's he takes over the toy factory, and he makes this green slime that mutates everything. And Marco's football gets kicked in to the slime and it becomes magic so he can teleport to him whenever he summons it. And he has to go out from his house to the factory to stop the colonel. It's not 
bad. It's a weird platformer. It's It's got weird, horrid physics. The football never goes where you want it to. Even though the game is called Marco's Magic Football, that's only one magic thing the football does which is teleport directly to Marco. It's really hard. I noticed you playing it and I was like, why is it so hard to just kick the ball in somewhere that you want it? In any other game, yeah. you'd be easily able to control the ball. But in Marco, it's like you can only kick it like certain angles by doing certain special moves. Also, the first level is set in your like average British street and there's shitloads of people trying to kill you for no reason. Um, and then the second level is set in a sewer. And then the third level is set in an identical looking <laughs> sewer. And the fourth level is also set in a sewer. And then you go back out to the street for the next level. And then you go back to the sewer. <laughs> I saw you in like a waste disposal factory and I thought the concept looks cool. Like it's a platformer where you have to kick a ball to like, you know, get up to ledges and stuff. You can stand on the ball and then yeah. bounce off it, right? Yeah. But there's not that many things you can do with the ball. It's just really difficult to hit enemies because if they're not in a specific distance from you at a specific height, you're going to have trouble hitting them. It gets really satisfying when you like do like a backwards kick and hit something and do more damage to them. But it's re the setup for that is so difficult and not common enough that it's very, very hard. Do you feel like you have exercised this game by completing it? I think so. I, I beat it. So I think now I can put that to rest and I can move on to my next haunted game, which is probably The Grinch on PlayStation 1. <laughs> oh dear. Moogle, yours is James Pond Robocod, right? I mean, I had I had two haunted video games that I've played through recently. Oh, Putty Squad as well, that's right. Putty Squad less so because I've beaten it several times growing up. It just, as Cat says, it occupies a space in my brain. Uh, both of my games are what Catsman would dub Amiga Core. Um, in that they were basically just Amiga games that were ported onto different systems. Uh, James Pond 2 codenamed Robocard is a basic-ass fucking 2D platformer with absolutely nothing to recommend it in any way, shape, or form. Yeah, that game looks boring. Also, James Pond can telescope, but he can't, like, platform with the telescoping. Yeah. He can just extend his body. Like, just not very interesting, basically. Like the little onion men from Mario Odyssey. Like that, but you can't jump out of it, so you can't use it to reach higher areas most of the time. Is it for just avoiding enemies then, or...? You can use it to climb along the ceiling, basically. Like, you can gripple onto the ceiling and then telescope yourself upwards and then shimmy very slowly along the ceiling. <laughs> very, very slowly. Uh, yeah, not that fun. Bosses take a huge amount of hits to go down as well. I didn't finish it. Um, I finished it once as a child. Now I know why it was only once and not more than that. But I feel like it's gone. Putty Squad, on the other hand, I did have more fun with, and that does occupy a larger space of my brain, I think. So uh, I, it was good to play Putty Squad again. Uh, even if like there's absolutely no attention paid to level design, uh, no attention paid to a difficulty curve in any way, um, it just kind of just does things randomly in the way that Amiga games did. Uh, and it looks nice and every so often there's a good sound, there's a good piece of music on the soundtrack and that's pretty much it. Yeah, there's some, there are a few good tracks in the soundtrack. That, um, that fucking like weird Amiga sound. Yeah, very much so. Like, did we, did we figure out it was French, wasn't it? Was it? Oh God. Was it French or was it British? I don't remember. I thought it was British. 
I think I think all haunted games are at least a bit British on some level. It's British. Yeah, I know mine is. What's your haunted game, Mike? Um, it's it's less of a haunted game and more than just like a like a specific thing that uh that 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 just like comes to my mind. Um, uh, it's the original Tomb Raider. Oh, you'd love it if MD was here. Yeah, 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 and it's and it's and it's it's two things. It is the diving animation when you hit like solid ground and you dive from too high up. Like, there's something about like that sound and that like like the crunch. God, that the, the, the yeah, the crunch. That game is unusually visceral in places. Well, yeah, and then the other one, the fucking drowning animation, mm, like yeah. that, just like contort, and it's just like. The, it's, it's yeah, it's just horrifying. Huh. The realism, I love it. I always thought that about like Mario sixty four as well, just like giving your cartoon character an unusually realistic drowning animation. Yeah, yeah, it's it's why it's, make them disappear or something. Um, but yes, the controls for the original Tomb Raider are still like hardwired in my head, like just a, a third person action game without mouse. Like, moving with the arrow keys, what, jumping with alt and control is the action button, yeah. Hell yeah. Moving using your right hand is is already just, like, a, a fucking weird one. <laughs> I, yeah. I played so many old PC games that my mind is hardwired for it, I'm afraid. Yeah, I actually yeah. can't use the, my left hand to control game characters. Catman, your haunted game is Marvel Madness, right? Well, my haunted game was uh, P-Guy, but I don't need to tell you about P-Guy. We know enough about P-Guy. You know, you know all about P-Guy. I did go back and finally finish Marble Madness after literally over a year of it hanging over me. And you know what? I respect it. Mark Cerny did a good job. <laughs> Just because he made a hard game, it doesn't mean he made it bad. Shiny, do you have a haunted game? Do you know, I've been trying to think about it, but I don't think my what I consider to be probably my most likely candidate for haunted game, I don't think it necessarily fits into the parameters suggested because because of, like, um, I would say the cultural impact or, I guess, awareness of the game itself, is which it? is Banjo-Kazooie. <laughs> oh! Um, so I had Banjo-Kazooie as a kid. I started it a number of times, never understood why any time I wanted to stop playing to go do something else, I got a game over. Didn't get that. Yeah, I always found that weird. And I've been saying that I'm going to play it for, I think, about five years, <laughs> um, and I still have not done it. But I, I always stopped because I got scared of the shark in the water <laughs> when I was young. So I think that's probably my closest thing to a haunted game. I think it's a fair one, even though it's a popular game. I think it, it fits the criteria apart from it being very popular and well-known. Yeah, I think it's also possibly my strong candidate for Haunted Game as well, because as a child, I never beat it. Yeah. I have gone back as an adult two or three times to try and beat it again. I always get to the same point and then drop it because it's boring. Yeah, same. Yeah, well, I think you say it's boring. I, off the back of thinking that DK64 was the best game I've ever played, was like, I'm going to play Banjo-Kazooie now because I think that will fill, fill the hole that is being left by no longer playing DK64. <laughs> not a shaped hole. Um, but yeah, that was many, many years ago and I still haven't done it. So it's just a constantly weighing on my, my conscience that I have not played it. Well, don't, don't let it go on forever, because I felt so much better when I finished Marble Madness. It's liberating. <laughs> I need to exercise the beast, don't I? So my other candidate for Haunted Game is Dinosaur Planet. Of course. Of course. <laughs> yeah, okay. But you can't beat that game. You can't oh. beat that game. Uh, I, I have never... I have never talked... <laughs> 
I've never talked about Dinosaur Planet on the podcast, despite how important it is to me. <laughs> Dinosaur Planet is the prototype of uh, what eventually became Star Fox Adventures, originally slated for release on the N64 <laughs> due to development issues. <laughs> it was eventually released on the GameCube, then known as the Dolphin. <laughs> Dinosaur Planet, the build that came out um, is really buggy and broken, but through a series of brute force techniques known as slamming my head against a wall, luck. with a bit of luck and encouragement from Animich, uh, we managed to explore a good amount of the game, like moving around crash sites, figuring out ways to move at hyperspeed to warp through walls. I eventually figured out that it was possible to use the parallel world technique from Mario 64 in a similar way to like warp yourself to other parts of the map to be able to like get to other places in the game uh, while exploring. And it's got this really, it's, it's one of the most enjoyable times I think I've had with a game where the puzzle solving has been figuring out how to complete a game in a way that it wasn't meant to be completed because it's the only way you can do it and I really enjoy it and I keep meaning to go back and like try some more I've got some new stuff I've not ever streamed or shown off that I, I just have you know dropped it and never gone back to but eventually I'd like to play more Dinosaur Planet and hopefully the community will be able to fix it up so it is properly playable at some point. That's one of my favourite things about our time with the game, is the community and kingdom that was created and crumbled before <laughs> us all. Within a, like a month, yeah. Yeah, the, the community like split within a month um, into two major factions because uh, they weren't, weren't getting along very well. Um, but we've, we've had some good times with it. Me and Mitch did stream it for like a good 20 hours at yeah. one point. Yeah, I went to bed. I was like, oh, they're still playing Dinosaur Planet. Hope they pick it back up. It looks really interesting. And I woke up the next morning, turned on my computer, and the stream was still running. And I was like, oh, no. Yeah, same for me. I was shocked. Yeah, we we made a lot of progress. Like, if if it ever does like get fixed up and you watch a speedrun of it, all of the speedrun strats are things I invented. <laughs> it is like a fascinating game because it the even though you couldn't play through the whole thing, the build for being completely abandoned is really complete. Like cutscenes, animations, going yeah. between different areas it's fascinating yeah. to see like the elements that they that they clearly had intended to be a lot more ambitious than they ended up being in the final release and seeing them like half finished yeah it's got like a full day night cycle it's it's got day night cycle with some attempt at like n64s real-time shadows yeah. and the most amazing thing is that it's got a continuous overworld with no mm -hmm. loading zones yeah no load times it's amazing it like and sometimes that breaks oh, yeah. and sometimes you've got to figure out how to unload areas and reload them because it stores in ram in a weird way i think 99 percent of the problems that they were having developing that game was the continuous loading like overworld because if one thing breaks in loading or if one thing doesn't get unloaded when it should have or if one thing doesn't load when it should have then everything is destroyed mm. in a really weird way yeah there's a load of weird like problems with flags being set to unlock cutscenes and stuff as well because there's so much on it that um i've not been able to demonstrate through the way i've been playing it that people have been able to like that people have basically been going through the game going through the hex 
code for it while playing it and just editing bits to see if it triggers events and have found so much more stuff that is just locked behind like a flag that's not been set correctly or like because the the trigger is broken for stuff so um it it looks like most of the game is there it just doesn't all talk to itself correctly yeah i think people could restore it they've got a better chance of doing that than they have for duke nukem forever yeah but it's it's been a really cool thing to like see evolve in the community and just to to like play through but it does occupy a big space in my head the haunting music from the part where me and mitch were in the (laughs) rapids for like three hours trying to figure out how to get through a specific crash two hours just just (sighs) swimming forwards it was great uh willie have you got a haunted game i do is it Shenmue? <laughs> that would count. It should be Shenmue. Yeah, it's Shenmue, but Shenmue is pretty celebrated. <laughs> Not among us, but among people in general. It's a well-known game. Among us? <laughs> among us? Among us? <laughs> I hate you! Sounds a little bit sussy. <laughs> I do think about Shenmue a lot, and I specifically get a lot of voice lines from it stuck in my head, like, uh, anything I... Goro says. <laughs> I see. need more power in your arms. I Excuse hope me. a Excuse good me. one comes out of the capsule toy machine. Yeah. I'm Oreo. just Andy. Dirt. I used to be Chinese. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I had another one, though, from, from uh, much earlier in life when I was a kid. Uh, background, my dad is a massive Apple fanboy and has been since the 80s. Uh, he only ever bought Apple computers, so some of the first games I played... Uh, were like Mac exclusive games that came with his iMacs and stuff. Uh, so there's this game called Bugdom. Ah, uh, Bugdom! Bugdom. I played a lot of Bugdom as a kid, and I know this game. They ported it to Windows. You could you could uh, control the bug with the mouse. Uh, yeah, it's just like a 3D, not really a 3D platformer, a 3D action game. You 3D walk arounder. You need to stream this game. This game looks amazing. You're a little pill bug, uh, and you you walk around being chased by bees, fire ants, a uh, bunch of and feet, feet, kind of scary enemies. Yeah, the video I've included um, is the, from level four, where you're in a forest and there's like human feet uh, walking around, stomping around, not really noticing you, but they're they're obviously deadly. Um, just left feet. Stomping around in a circle. And uh, later on, when you... Later on in the level, you get to, like, fly around on the back of a dragonfly. And you can see the feet from above. And there's no humans attached to them. There's just left feet. uh, Just stomping around in a circle. And that really skeeved me out as a seven-year-old or eight-year-old or whatever I was. Like... (laughs) It, uh, yeah, um, this game occupied my mind for a very variety of reasons. There's a lot of creepy stuff, pretty realistic looking beasts that chase you around and never stop. All of the models look really creepy. Like yeah. the, the main character yeah. looks too, I don't know, it's it's not like realistic, but you know what I mean? Like it, it looks too, it's like uncanny. It's the shoes. It's the classic thing they've done where they've made their cartoon bugs slightly too realistic. Yeah, yeah. Put them in the uncanny valley. I like that he's wearing shoes, but the people stamping around are not. (laughs) (laughs) Developers got their priorities. I don't like the fact that he's meant to be an insect, but he's got eight legs. (laughs) Well, wait, is he supposed to be one of those potato bugs? He has too few legs, if anything. Oh, woodlouse. He's a pill bug, yeah. Okay, yeah. Cheesy Bob. You can roll, dude. This looks cool. It's a fun game from what I remember. I remember when you got a game over, you were imprisoned by ants. The ants were also super creepy looking. (laughs) Ka-chow. In this same level, uh, since you can fly around on the back of a dragonfly, there's this, like, uh, enforcing of how high you can go, where if you fly too high on a dragonfly, you get eaten by a bat. Oh. Ooh. 
but I didn't understand that like that was a hard limit on how I could fly. I thought there was a way past the bat, so I just kept like trying to beat this bat over and over and being terrified by this thing. Like maybe if I go over <laughs> here, he won't get me. Like as a kid, you don't get how this stuff works. This is like Yeti and Ski Free kind of deal. Like just a yeah. I, the the bat was my nemesis as a kid. <laughs> I'm looking at like a video of uh, the bug riding like a water skimmer type bug, and that thing is terrifying. You need to stream yeah. this. You need to beat this haunted game. Yeah, maybe I should. Yeah, dude, this this looks cool. You got to stream this. Is this why you hate Antsy? <laughs> you know, I never made that connection, but I did hate the ants in this game. <laughs> yeah, just maybe I'll 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 be able to explain it more clearly when I played it. But there's a lot of creepy stuff in this game that to an eight year old mind this. It gets stuck in your head afterwards. I know what you mean. I also strongly identified with this little pill bug you played as. Like, I, <laughs> for some reason, I really loved this little bug. And so seeing him die in all these kind of weird ways was... Check out these ripped beasts. Check out these hunk beasts walking around the beehive. Oh my god. That's fucking scary. Yeah, and then look, check out the hunks. Oh my god. Oh, yeah, yeah, the Chad bees. <laughs> wow. Which is funny because most bees live uh, live their lives as virgins. I can't find a video of it, so I won't show you now. But there's a game called Axie Snake that was like a shareware game that I played. There was like a three D snake clone. I've seen it. I've seen it. it's in it's in your video of P guy, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So in that game, um, all around the outside of the arena, there's like this dark forest, and uh, there's like just pairs of like red glowing eyes in it that like move around and make noises and as you begin to run out of time in the game uh the lights go away and the light becomes like red uh and then uh, if you just take too long to complete the level or like go too far towards the edge of the level uh your snake gets uh like dragged violently into the darkness at the side by these creatures who only whose eyes you can see and like a fountain of blood erupts out of it and he screams Fuck. and then the game ends oh my cool. God. and it's like oh. the rest of the game is like perfectly kid friendly but it just has this one weird really scary element i will try and find a video and if not i will make one because sounds like something that should appear in uh Video games death max from GCCX. It's like a bad video game creepypasta, only it actually exists. <laughs> yes, pump it through the hose. Someone has made a mod of Half-Life 2 in which they have replaced Alex with Crystal from the Star Fox series, who I'm informed is pretty thick, though. <laughs> uh, she, she is fully voice acted by the original voice actress for Crystal. Uh, I think this is hilarious, and I think it's crazy how much money furries are willing to spend on their, their weird projects. They're suspiciously wealthy. Suspiciously wealthy furries. There's like a tier list of like video games and the creepy mods that are made for them. And like you got your um, Bethesda games, they're pretty high up there. But like Half-Life 2 is close to the top as well because there's that cinematic Half-Life oh mod with that really no. bizarre, I'd rather that play bizarre the Alex mod. model that actually has a, um, a modelled Volva. <laughs> Well, that modeled cervix, like, yeah, it goes, goes all the way. Inside, it's got, like, eight it? ovaries and stuff, I think. Awful. Awful. Yeah, no, I'll, I'll take the crystal mod, please.
it's such a bad looking crystal though like, yeah it looks awful the model looks awful and i gotta say the voice actor you know it's hard to get work as a voice actor it's not easy work <laughs> it's not paid very well i understand all of that but she's still not very good mm. well i think she came out of retirement for this <laughs> like she doesn't work as a voice actress anymore so i'm wondering how much money did they pay her like how <laughs> what like do you think she just got a call one day it's like uh, hello, is this the uh, voice actress for Crystal? Is that your furry voice? Is that what they sound like? They wouldn't say that. They, would, they wouldn't They would say, is this the voice actress for what they say? Is this Crystal? Is this Crystal? <laughs> is this Crystal from the planet uh, Krizoa? I've got, a lot, I've got a lot of money. A lot of money. Is the mission still proceeding as Do well? Do you think it's weird that you could go to the store to buy biscuits? And you can get 11 when the pack says 12. Look, Crystal, I don't know if you're still doing voice acting, but I've got a project for you. Have you heard of Half-Life? Here's, here's the cinematic I'm, mod I did for it. Here's the script. I'm oh, sending fuck. it to you on your Weibo right now. I know it's like 50,000 words, but I've got $50,000. <laughs> Damn, a dollar in a word. What is what is wrong with what us? What do you mean us? What is wrong with us laughing at this fucking voice? I think it's voice? very specifically what's wrong with Specs and Mitch. Well, that's true. <laughs> that's how they talk. <laughs> Who's they? The furries. I know a lot of furries at this point, and that is not how they talk. That's true. They hide their power level when they're around you. They, they talk like, hello, I'm Rusty, and I'm Swedish <laughs> now for some reason. <laughs> hey. Do you think it's weird that when you go to store to buy biscuits, <laughs> the pocket says 12, but you only get 11? <laughs> Rusty is from German part of Switzerland, so he sounds like this he sounds when like he this, talks. Yeah. Don't yeah. you think it's weird that when, when you go, go to this to store, store <laughs> you buy a pack of Frankfurters? And it says on the Frank Photo Pocket that there's like, 12, like but you can see there's a neighbor. You're back to Swedish again. <laughs> it's a European accent. It's a pan-euro accent. I have bought 12 schnickerdoodles, but there's only 11 schnickerdoodles. Oh, yeah. I've got these little box of chocolates. <laughs> Very true. Here's the thing. <laughs> like, Frankfurters come in translucent packs, so... Don't, you can you know, see how many you're getting. He's literally, he's literally counting mm. his frankfurters after they've hatched. This is his fault. <laughs> What's the next news item? Um, the next news item is that uh, Square Enix have sold Lara Croft to... Not just Lara Croft, all of IDOS. Okay, well, which includes uh, Deus Ex, right? Yep. Deus Ex and something else. Hitman? Does it include Hitman? No, no, they already lost IO. They've sold this branch of their company for $200 million uh, after they lost $200 million on making that crap Avengers game <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> the guardians of the galaxy imagine selling what was at the time like one of the most popular game series for basically a good five or six years and selling deus ex which is one of the most critically acclaimed games and probably the best immersive sim ever made and you sell them so you can make nfts oh my god it's crazy that they've sold the only female video game character just because they want to spunk money up the wall at like weird projects. So was it to was it to make NFTs or was it to bail themselves out of what they lost from Guardians of the Galaxy? 
they specifically said that they were going to invest in NFTs, but that might have just been a cover for it. It's it's so weird because they're printing money with Final Fantasy. They could absorb that loss quite easily, like that they made that the loss that they had with uh, Avengers and Guardians. Like they don't they don't need to sell off what every anything else. They're choosing to do so. From, well, of what I've heard from their um, non-Japanese studios, the games like uh, the Deus games and the Tomb Raider games that came out uh, under Square Enix were good in spite of their management and not because of it. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Oh, Legacy of Kane is the other thing they own. Oh my god. Like, oh, Legacy of Kane, damn. Although that's not had anything in like 20 years at this point. No. It's not, but it's like you could easily bring that back and people would be into it. You're right in that bit of the fucking... The Raziel trilogy. Nostalgia cycle. Tomb Raider could could do another reboot because like it had it had a strong showing with the first part and then and then just kind of fell off. Yeah, really fell off. I thought those games did really well though. Like the the reboot definitely. Well, they but... did they 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 did really well uh, financially, but like what was it? It was um, uh, Rise of the Tomb Raider and uh, Shadow of the Tomb Raider were both uh, like the free game this Christmas on Epic. So yeah, they were they they were trying to sneak those in there. I think that that nowadays the free game on Epic feels like it's it's sort of testing for can a sequel be like actually viable. Check this out. Back when the Xbox One originally launched all those years ago, Microsoft paid like a hundred. Oh no, this is even more recent. This was last year. Microsoft paid a hundred million dollars so that Rise of the Tomb Raider would be exclusive for the platform for a year. <laughs> Holy shit! <laughs> yep. Yeah, you know, the the value of things under capitalism is stupid. Like, Tesla is worth almost as much as all of the other automotive companies put together. Well, we'll see where that is by the time this podcast release. Either, yeah, yeah, by the time this comes out. But they were at one point worth as much as all of the other automotive companies, even though they didn't make even a tenth of the cars of those companies. But either Lara Croft was, and Square Enix and stuff were grossly overvaluing these games, or they were grossly undervaluing these games. And either way, it's really funny. Uh, and I hope nothing but bad things come to them, as I do all major game publishers. Here's another interesting thing, though, is that the people who bought IDOS were the same company that bought THQ, or at least the, the things that no one else wanted from THQ when that closed. Yeah. For 200 million. Microsoft has spent billions, billions on Activision Blizzard, Bethesda, and they couldn't, like, scrape up a little bit of a... Uh, fucking pennies to them to pick up these guys yeah that just point. means to me that like no one wants these types of games they don't want their single player deus exes or their tomb raiders yeah, yeah. or their raziel games they want their live service games and that's what they bought bethesda and activision for and that's the worrying thing that no one the industry doesn't value these types of games that even though they've been kind of middling the tomb raider and the deus ex stuff you know, they're, they're, they're filling a market, a niche of it, that is going to dry up, maybe. God. It's interesting, because Sony is still making those games, like God of War and, like, uh, Last of Us and Uncharted. They're still making those games. And they're selling, like, shitloads. Like, yeah. fucking Elden Ring was, like, a fucking smash hit. Yeah. Like, the prestige ones do really well, but maybe the middling ones, like your Tomb Raiders, your Deus Exes now, just aren't. I don't know. It's people want live services because they can make the game make money for 10 years as opposed to making money once. 
if you look at the other stuff that Square Enix is like sacrificed uh, Tomb Raider for, though, it's stuff like Babylon's Fall. Mm. Anyone remember Babylon's Fall? Nope. That came out. It reached zero co-current players on Steam the other day. Yeah. I I think about it, but only for bad reasons. Yeah. It's rated as 6 out of 10 on Steam. 19% of Google users liked this video game. Ooh. 41% on Metacritic. This is the sort of stuff that, that Square Enix is throwing money at that is just shit. Uh, and they're getting rid of their good sort of studios to allow them to invest in more shit. Like The Quiet Man. Remember <laughs> no, The Quiet, Quiet Man? Man? That's Square Enix. A- anything they've brought out recently that's not Dragon Quest or Final Fantasy has bombed hard. And it seems like they're just kind of, you know, incompetent with where they're investing their money. As we've discussed previously, the way you become like a senior exec at a Japanese company is you just be there for 40 years. You don't have to be good. The way you become a senior exec at an American video game company is by being a sexual predator. You don't have to be good at your job. Yeah, either way, I can say whoever the like chief executive at uh, fucking Square Enix is, is very good at his job if only by evidence that he still has one. <laughs> this many fuck-ups and, like, losing the company this much money and you haven't been shit-canned, like, you either have dirt on somebody or, like, you're just, you're just like, rolling 20s on Charisma Check when, like, the fucking, uh, when the board is talking to you. Well, you go to the shareholder meeting and you say, look at our project here, Final Fantasy Online. It makes billions! We're going to try and make other games like it. And they're all like, thumbs up, thumbs up, thumbs up. And then like months later, they come out and they're like, bomb. A fucking like game company makes one game in a very specific niche and it fills that niche. And then they're like, oh shit, we should make every game like this. Yeah. Hi there, I'm Ubisoft and here's my clone game. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I, I can't wait for another Battle Royale. This is what they teach you when you go to, go to you know, uh, get an MBA. It's just to have no original thoughts. All that happens is like the the Western like CEOs go to the board meeting and they just have a glass of breast milk with them. <laughs> yeah. You know. So so once again, you know, if you want all of these problems to be solved, just uh just uh gay guys. Yeah, just all just all gay guys at at the top level. But then they'll be drinking man milk. <laughs> <laughs> at at E3 with my swirling my warm brandy glass of cum <laughs> in that Bill Cosby suite, you know. Oh, God. Why? Why? Yes, we've taken Microsoft's entire budget and given it to Obsidian. I wonder what they'll do. <laughs> Probably something that doesn't work. Oh well. Oh well, it'll have a bunch of bugs, but it'll be a cult classic. In ten years' time, when the community fix it. Just wait, everybody's gonna buy this game in ten years when it's £2.99 in a Steam sale. Then you'll be rolling in it. Oh, you'll see all the elaborate discussions on it. It will be number one most upvoted game on Reddit. Imagine the sex mods for this. Mmm. <laughs> This has been Gentleman Lunchtime. What are we called now? Just Lunchtime, I think. This has been Lunchtime. Ladies Brunch Club. 
If you know what this podcast is named, leave a comment. No, they'll name it something racist. Welcome to Second Breakfast Podcast. And let me know. Let me know if uh, you've been to the shop recently and bought a packet of 12 biscuits. <laughs> what did you do with the 12th biscuit? We're not doing this again. Upload selfies and we will analyze them with the diversity chart. Yes. <laughs> We'll look purely at your face and decide what your... Social economic background is. A particular set of scales to the shops recently so we can yes. weigh the biscuits uh, against a uh, standardised biscuit <laughs> weight that I have uh, uh, made myself. I call it one biscotto. Uh, <laughs> if it weighs 12 biscottos, I'll buy your picket. If it weighs 11 biscottos, that's a uh, no-no. They've caught on to that. They put a tiny piece of lead in the biscuit packaging. <laughs> that explains a lot, actually, now that I think about it. This has been Suliano Bambo Grando. <laughs> That's what the podcast is called now. Catch you on the flip side. Ka-chow. Ka-chow. Yowch. Bang. Boom. Ka-chow, yeah. There you go. Sorry, yowch. Zap. 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 Once again, just put the gay people in charge. I think this is part of your conspiracy for power, Michael. Yeah, it's called Globo Homo. I've been lowering (laughs) testosterone levels everywhere. (laughs) They put estrogen in the water and the frogs are gay. So so that was the, it's it's the most memorable Alex Jones thing. Um, But that's the one that actually does have some evidence to it and but it's it's like being filtered through multiple levels of alex jones misinterpreting other people misinterpreting scientific papers yeah yeah it's just basically industrial runoff because because uh frogs are gender fluid and it's fucking up that 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 set of like hormone triggers uh with them so it's not making them gay it's making them like it's just giving them big fat teas <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Big fat frog titties. Big honking bazongas mm. on them frogs. There's not enough sexualized frog media in video games. Uh, not in video games. Frogs are really popular in indie games right now. Yeah, there was like fucking five fucking frog games that were announced. Yeah, frogs are, frogs are very popular now, but they're not sexualized. People love frogs, but, but they always have loved frogs, even back since Frogger, like. I like frogs. <laughs> I have been eating delicious biscuits full of microplastics and it has destroyed my ability to come up with an original thought. And it has destroyed my ability to come. Every time you come, you just come a tiny little green army soldier man. It's like a kidney stone. Folks, uh, uh, a dark, heavy beer and lots of cranberry juice. It's 3D printer. That's why it takes an entire hour. (laughs)
<laughs> That's why my testicles are that shape. <laughs> I had a dream where I came sausage gravy. <laughs> oh my. Nice. Did you come it onto a plate? Yeah, no, there was like literally a biscuit, an American biscuit, uh, on the plate. But how many biscuits did you get in your packet of American biscuits? That's the one that was missing from the packet. You don't get American biscuits in packets, you have to make them. <sighs> What? They're like scones. Yeah. What? They're like savory scones, basically. You what, mate? You fucking what? Yeah, no, I'm sorry. It's just, when you were saying you biscuits what? this whole time, like, it was just like, what the fuck are you talking about? Package mate. of biscuits? Biscuit. Like, fuck you. It's a biscuit. Yeah. It's a fucking biscuit. But like, you know, there's there's a couple of kinds of American biscuits. I've had American biscuits, they're pretty nice. Not really. Not nah, they they largely are are talking about like like generally the same thing, like a like kind of crumbly, buttery bread. Yeah, yeah. But there's a few variants, whereas there are literally thousands of types of British biscuits. Can we talk about fucking pudding? Because I don't know what that word means anymore. It means anything sweet. It means a dessert. Disgusting. Well, speaking of, I have to wish death upon the queen. I like that you make a noise while you do it. I actually, I go red in the face as well. I take this very seriously. Do you, I didn't realize, do you, do you like put yourself in a sensory deprivation chamber? No, I sit down there for about 20 seconds and I just think really hard about the queen being fed into one of those industrial grinders. Is it always the same? Would you sometimes switch it up with what you imagine situation killing her? Uh, sometimes I switch it up. Yeah. Sometimes she melts like that guy in Robocop. <laughs> See, I imagine, I imagine uh, it would be like that uh, Takashi Miike film, uh, Gozu, and I would just go to a laundromat one day and like the queen's entire like like flesh would just be in like a dry cleaning uh, bag, just pressed like a little uh, thing. <laughs> and I just, I just see it passing by. It's like, oh, all right, thank God they fixed that. I don't know if, if England has this, but like those semi-precious stones like Tiger's Eye and... Uh, you know, you know, just those little like rocks that look like kind of cool, but they're not super valuable. Yeah, we got rocks. Yeah, we got rocks. <laughs> <laughs> right, I'm actually awake now, and I did hear you, and I probably had enough time just to get a brief, brief, uh, brief shack of blueberries half off. So uh, let me just get a half of that, and then you can chuck the rest. <laughs>